The Gospel reading for this morning is taken from Luke's Gospel, beginning in the 6th chapter at the 27th verse. We're still on the Sermon on the Plain, and it's Jesus speaking. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies, and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put right into your lap. For with the measure you use it, will be measured back to you. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O oh God of creation, you seem very generous. Very generous in creating things and very generous in saving things from hurting one another. It must hurt you when you see any of us become mean and selfish. And we're usually sorry afterwards and know that we need to be forgiven. But it would be far better if we could stop the meanness before it starts. Would you please grow generosity in our hearts and minds? We do look forward to the day when the world is as full of generosity as you planned it to be. Open our hearts and our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. If you remember nothing else that I say this morning, please just remember this. Hurting people hurt people. John Maxwell said that, and I believe it's true. A father and a son came walking in the woods, came upon an animal that had been caught in a hunter's trap. And the animal was in obvious distress. So the son rushed forward to free the animal, but his father stopped him. Son, he said, be careful. A hurt animal will bite those close around, even someone who is trying to help them. And my friends, 
What is true of animals is also true of people. Hurting people hurt people. Now I really think of all the words of Jesus, the words that we would most like to duck are the ones in front of us this morning. The ones about forgiveness and enemies. They're so difficult. Fred Craddock, who was an exceptional preacher and teacher, was teaching an undergraduate course in Oklahoma on the gospel of Jesus. And he was taking these stories of Jesus and putting them plainly in front of his students. And there was a girl that was sitting in the back of the class. And as he came to the part about loving your enemies, she stood up and she started slamming her books all around and she started mumbling, Jesus and losers, I hate Jesus and the losers, I can't stand this. And she shuffled her bag and went out mumbling, Jesus and a bunch of losers, forgiving their enemies. Now we may hear this and think how terrible it is, but any of us who thinks that we are suddenly just going to go out and forgive anyone who offends us, I don't think is really hearing this text. Because it's kind of a paradox, and I think it's extremely difficult. And I really think there are a few things we must recognize. And the first is that the truth hurts at the very time that it heals us. <clears throat> Carlisle Marney, great Baptist preacher, said, The truth makes you flinch before it makes you free. We've heard, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That's all well and good, but truth be known, it makes me mad before it starts to set me free. And that's a part of the paradox of truth. It was Scott Peck who said there are two undeniable and inarguable truths, and number one is this, the only way to stop is to stop You know, after all the talk about our addictions, the things that we are truly sorry for, the only way to stop is in the decisive moment to just stop doing that activity. And there's a lot of discussion that goes on, a lot of words are said trying to find some way we can get away with doing it while not changing anything, but the only way to stop is just to stop. And a Jewish man in Israel discovered this truth. Every day, he would go to the Palestinian border with food, and he would take it across to an elderly Palestinian couple, and he would feed them. And the soldiers at the gate would ask, well, why are you doing this? Well, what was even worse, they would discover in time that the couple he was feeding were persons who had lost their son. And even deeper, the Palestinian son whom they had lost in the war was the same son who had killed his Israeli son. And he knew enough to say, the only way to stop is to stop. Somebody has to stop it. The second undeniable truth is that love makes the world go round. And in a way, those of you who love musical theater, that is just exactly what lame is is all about. Jean Valjean comes to the bishop's home and sees the silver there, he takes it and he gets caught. 
And the bishop saves him and gives him the worst burden of his life. He forgives him right on the spot. And Valjean's entire life is haunted after that by seeking to find that appropriate place where he can give away that kind of love. The love of Christ for us leaves each of us no choice, make no doubt about it. And Jean Valjean knew that. In the mystery of being forgiven, we have no choice but to find that moment in life that we might be called up to do the very same thing, even though in any given moment, we really don't feel like doing it. Frederick Buechner, one of my favorite authors, wrote this. When somebody you have wronged forgives you, you are spared the dull and self-diminishing throb of a guilty conscience. And when you forgive someone who has wronged you, you are spared the dismal corrosion of bitterness and wounded pride for both parties. Forgiveness means the freedom again to be at peace inside your own skin and to be glad to be in each other's presence." End quote. So it hurts and it heals in the same moment. We've known what that is, haven't we? I really think the word of God cuts and it calms us at the very same time. The word that helps hurts. It calms us and cuts us deeply. There's a man named Abraham who came across a beggar and invited him into his home to feed him. And the beggar just kept cursing him and being rude. And finally, Abraham kicked him out, saying, I don't need this. And that night, when Abraham went to speak to God in his prayers, he heard the voice of God saying this, The man you kicked out has cursed me for 50 years. And yet I have given him food to eat every day. Could you not just put up with him for just a single meal on my behalf? So I think we learn from this passage that what we send out into the world enriches others, but it also enriches us. When we project love into the world, we usually receive love in return. When we project joy into the world, we receive joy in return. The more you give, the more you get back. Have you ever seen two little kids who've been caught in an argument? Mom comes along and says, you two apologize to each other. There's no need to fight like that. And each kid stands there with his arms crossed, shuffling his feet, saying, I'll apologize if you do it first. No, you first. No, you first. Unfortunately, folks, we can't wait for others to act lovely before we love them. God did not wait for us. God chose to love us first, whether we ever even responded yet or not. Final story. Once upon a time, two brothers lived on adjoining farms, and they fell into a conflict, and it was the first serious rift in 40 years of farming side by side, sharing machinery, trading labors and goods as needed without one single hitch in 40 years. Then the long collaboration, it just fell apart. It began really with a small misunderstanding and it grew into a major difference and 
Finally, it exploded into an exchange of bitter words followed by weeks of silence. And one morning, there was a knock on John's door, and he opened it to find a man with a carpenter's toolbox. I'm looking for a few days' work, he said. Perhaps you would have a few small jobs here and there. Could I help you? Well, yes, said the older brother. I do have a job for you. If you look across the creek at that farm, that's my neighbor. In fact, it's my younger brother. And last week, there was a meadow between us, and he took his bulldozer to the river levee, and now it is a creek between us. Well, he may have done this to spite me, but I'll go in one better. So you see that pile of lumber over there curing by the barn? I want you to build me a fence, an eight-foot fence, so I won't need to see his place anymore. It'll cool him down anyhow. And the carpenter said, well, I think I understand the situation. Show me the nails in the post, post hole digger. I'll be able to do a job that pleases you. And the older brother had to go to town for supplies, so he helped the carpenter get all the materials ready, and then he was off for the day. And the carpenter worked hard all day long, measuring, sawing, nailing, and about sunset, when the farmer returned, the carpenter had just finished the job, and the farmer's eyes opened wide and his jaw dropped. There was no fence there at all. I hope you're hearing this. There was no fence there at all. It was a bridge. A bridge stretching from one side of the creek to the other. It was a fine piece of work, handrails and all. And the neighbor, his younger brother, was coming across it with his hand outstretched. You are quite a fellow to build a bridge after all I've said and done. The two brothers stood at each end of the bridge. And then they met in the middle and took each other's hands and they turned to see the carpenter hoist his toolbox on his shoulder. No, wait, stay just a few days. I've got a lot of other projects for you, said the older brother. Well, I'd love to stay on, the carpenter said, but I have many bridges to build. Jesus, folks, is the ultimate bridge builder. So this morning, I think that this is really big stuff, the stuff of love and forgiveness. And I think the point this morning is really simply this. If we keep reading this text and confessing in the presence of God how much we fail to live it out, then I re really believe that someday, without even knowing it, we will find ourselves actually living out this word rather than discussing it. And the day that you live out this word when it is most needed in the life of another will probably be a moment that you're not even conscious that you have done it. Meanwhile, we stand arms linked together as we affirm, love your enemies. We confess how much we fail to do it. And we continue to listen to the voice of God that keeps nudging us slowly towards that goal. May it be so for us. Amen.